We worry about Andromeda strain viruses, and people just know what those are because of how influential science fiction has been. Film is dominated by science fiction and fantasy, with of the top ten grossing films of all time, about five of them, depending on how you count and how you figure these things out and whether you count sequels, but more than half of them are science fiction and another three are fantasy. Science fiction even has driven discovery itself. Arthur C. Clarke proposed a telecommunications satellite, and then people went out and built one. William Gibson wrote a cautionary tale about the Internet. People misinterpreted what he said and went out and tried to make it. Robert Heinlein came up with a idea called Waldos, these remote manipulators, based on a story of his, and scientists and engineers went out and built them. So science fiction has driven discovery. It's influenced culture. And it's given people a new way of thinking and talking about the world. In this course, we're going to look at science fiction from its earliest roots back in the early 1800s and continue right up to the present day. But we're not just going to move forward in strict chronological order. We're going to take some side detours. We're going to look at some of the big questions that science fiction raises. And our overall theme in the course is to see what science fiction can tell us about human beings and the human condition. Science fiction asks some really big questions about what it means to be human, about what our societies can be, about what our capabilities will be in the future. And it doesn't necessarily provide answers, but it opens up a realm of speculation and discussion that other literature has a lot of trouble dealing with. Now, in this course, I'm going to refer to science fiction as SF a lot of the time, and this is actually a very political decision, because if you call it sci-fi, that usually means that you're either not in the know or that you're a critic in a negative sense of it. In other words, calling something sci-fi and making fun of it or, or putting it down. That's, in fact, another use of the word genre. We talk about genres, and those are categories. You can fantasy, science fiction, historical fiction, romance are all genres. But that's also a kind of pejorative term. You can say something is just genre, and then you can dismiss it and not pay attention to it. Now, sometimes there are science fiction writers who sneak out of the genre ghetto, or people even argue that they're not really science fiction because they're so good. That's my favorite description of Thomas Pynchon, who... I'm not sure actually if he is science fiction or not, but certainly the argument that he's such a great writer that he can't be a science fiction writer reveals more about the critic than it does about Thomas Pynchon. Science fiction has been rather immune to the slings and arrows of the critics also. It continues to be popular, and more and more mainstream critics, scholars, college courses tend to be devoted to science fiction. There are certainly figures in science fiction, titans like Kurt Vonnegut or Ray Bradbury, who have been recognized as a long time as saying something important about American culture in their time period. But it's becoming more and more the case that writers who were really considered just genre or popular, like Robert Heinlein or Ursula Le Guin, or more recently Neil Stevenson, William Gibson, are being seen as important cultural representatives. In fact, science fiction has its own kind of school of literary criticism. It's got its own journals. It's got its own aesthetics. If you look at something like Locus Reviews, for example, the people who are writing for that are incredibly knowledgeable about science fiction. And they're also incredibly knowledgeable about mainstream literature as well, being able to connect and compare science fiction to mainstream literature. This is sadly not necessarily the case for kind of mainstream literary criticism, the kind of New York Times Review of Books criticism, that doesn't seem to understand science fiction entirely from the inside, and so gets things kind of sadly wrong when they deign to look at science fiction. On the other hand, that is slowly changing as there's more and more knowledgeable critics about both the genre and its place in the wider world. 
It's also the case that some major writers of science fiction are also major critics, and that's shaped the field in a way that's somewhat similar to what happens in mainstream literature. So Brian Aldiss, Thomas Dish, and Ursula Le Guin are all really important critics of science fiction, and they're also major important authors who we'll be discussing. Even when these critics are at their best, they tend to set up aesthetic tests and criticism that makes their own work seem to be the best kind of science fiction. So we have to be a little bit beware of that, but that's the same thing in mainstream criticism as well. We're still laboring under the shadow of Henry James, and Henry James really came up with most of his aesthetic theories to justify the fact that he thought his novels were the best ones. So it's not unusual for someone to do that. The other interesting thing about science fiction and its criticism and its place in the culture is that science fiction doesn't have one titan in the field that dominates everyone else. Fantasy labors under the shadow of J.R.R. Tolkien. Everybody who writes fantasy has to deal with Tolkien.